0: Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm with my, my wife, Mary. She's also one of the pastors at our church. And so what I thought I would do is I've handed, passed out a handout so that you can kind of follow along with me. Um, I want to go pretty swiftly through so that at the end, we can answer any questions you might have or just enter into dialogue. So that's how we'll do it. Um, I'll start off with just a little bit of a introduction here, and see if I can get this to work here. This is Growth Beyond the Split, and uh, this is the right session. So, we're going to go ahead and get started here. I'll do a little bit of an introduction uh, about us. Um, my wife and I are lifelong, lifelong Alaskans, and we've been in ministry for over 34 years at five different churches. Uh, and in that time, we became supportive elders and executive leaders at our current church in Alaska. And we've been there for over 19 years. I served as the executive pastor at my church for three years uh, until I assumed the role as lead pastor in 20, 2018. Um, Three years have passed, and today, um, let me start off a little bit more here, give you some backstory here. It was May 2018, and a rumor of infidelity proved to be true, and the pastor at that time uh, was made to step down. However, it was not the infidelity that caused our church split. Um, Perhaps it was a shock of trauma, sincere concern of the congregation, or just mere curiosity, or a blend of all three, but the majority of the people still stayed. It wasn't until a new leader was selected, me, that the splitting began. And our congregation that was approximately 700 people shrunk down to about 100 um, at that time. So that's a little bit of backstory here. So three years have passed since then. And right now, we have seen some growth from a split. Approximately 90% of our congregation are new people. I've had people come back and they're like, I don't recognize anybody here. And it's because God brought in a whole new group of people. Our average weekly attendance online and in person is about 250 people. So for us, that's significant, given where we came from. And we've seen about 11 people baptized over the nine, last nine months. So for us, that's significant. And so we're thanking God for that. Um, we have seen growth after a split. Uh, and over the three years, we've identified some warning signs that indicated we were an unhealthy church. And I want to share those with you in just a moment. Signs that a split was imminent for us and we share those here. We also want to offer some how-to suggestions to help any church avoid a split. I'm not sure where you're coming from. and I'm looking forward to hearing from some of you if you want to share what your experience is. And last, we we want to offer some how-to suggestions for how you can recover and grow from a church split. So let me start with this caveat here. We certainly are, uh, every church culture is different, and so this presentation is not designed to be exhaustive. Uh, Neither are we Uh, experts in splitology (laughs) Uh, but using our unique perspective and experience we simply want to offer a safe space for dialogue and we also want hope to give a message of encouragement to current or emerging leaders that you can indeed have growth after a split God can really do a miraculous thing in your ministry it was 2019 when we were actually here at MFI um, and Perhaps some of you here are like us, and we were here, yeah, right here in this same building, 2019. Uh, it was October 8th, and our small team, two of which are here, our worship pastor Jessica Lawrence is in the back, and of course my wife Mary, who's one of the pastors of our church is here. We all, actually all three were here during that time, and as we sat in the auditorium, as I sat in the auditorium, I was really bleeding inside. Um, having gone through a year of being pommeled by Christian hate speech, hate mail, assaults on my integrity and a series of departures I was a shell of a leader I was just standing by the grace of God and a stubborn uh, unwillingness to quit Uh, something about me God always put in me the determination to finish a job and I was determined Lord I'm going to stand until you say otherwise that night Pastor Frank Damasio was speaking and he was preaching about supernatural turnarounds and my ears perked up as Frank began to say this he began to say has anyone here gone through a split then he says, Have you had a moral failure in your leadership team? And then he says something that really got my attention. He says, Are you the person following up after a pastor that, and you took a church that had a real problem? And if he had called an altar call, I would have come forward because I'm like, Dude, you're, you're reading my mail. You just nailed all three. And we were looking at each other like, Did someone say something to him? Because that's exactly where we were. <laughs> then Frank said, the Lord, the Lord says, Don't cling to the events of the past, don't dwell on what happened before. And I I felt that that was a prophetic moment for us because it brought some healing to us, um, to our team. We felt a sense of being heard by God and being seen by the Lord, a sense of being normal, uh, that we were amongst friends. And so since then, uh, I've gone on to draft my definition of what a church split is, and I wanna offer this to you for just uh, for your consideration. Here's my definition of a church split. A fracture or a sudden division within a local congregation due to unresolved differences, unresolved offenses, or trauma that results in attrition, departure of members in segments or in phases. And it was that was the case with our church. Uh, our initial split was followed by what I call splinterings, and I want to share this with you, because no one ever talks about no one, it's okay. no one ever talks about church splits. Usually it's the type of thing that you hear about it, and like, oh, did you hear about church down the street, XYZ? Oh, that's too bad. And no one wants to talk about the nuts and bolts of what happened. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that, and perhaps it might help you. This was what happened with us. The root cause of our split was misinformation. Uh, disgruntled leaders weaponized social media, and they went online, and they spread a lot of information that just simply wasn't true. And that caused the majority of the departure in our situation. People left, about 45%, give or take. This was followed by what I call splinters of departure. Um, first were the disillusioned, some congregants discouraged by the state of unrest. They didn't know who to believe. They just knew that the church didn't feel good. They didn't feel the peace of God, so they left. After that, we had a departure of what I call the friends network, people who came and they said, hey, my friends aren't here, so if my friends aren't here, I'm not going to stay. After that was the family network. People loyal to departed families said my friend, my family's not here so I'm going to leave as well. Interesting was a group that was a holdout and I call those the influential hopefuls. Those, these are people that remained until it was clear that their hopes of controlling the direction of the church were not going to be actualized. Then they left. And then the last one was something that was interesting. We knew it was there but we didn't know until it it showed its head, how much it was there was what I call passive racism. Um, verbalized and nonverbalized displeasure was following a leader of color, and some people left because of that. And so we believe that many of the same unhealthy warning signs that preceded our split may exist in many churches here at MFI, or perhaps even in your church or someone that, that you know. So, with that, I want to offer some warning signs we want the, of an unhealthy church. And these particularly pertain to our church. You might be able to glean something that, that from your experience or you might know somebody that's going through something similar. Now, most leaders typically measure healthy churches in three ways. The ABCs, attendance, building, aesthetics, the beauty of a building, state of the art, or C, cash, how much money we have in the bank. But that's not how God measures a healthy church. Uh, God health measures a healthy church by Holy Spirit activity. The other S is by how many people are getting saved, making decisions, getting baptized. And then the third one is how many people are serving, uh, using their gifts, they're in the right place, doing the right thing for the right, the right reason. But you know what? A church can possess all of these things and still have some elements of being unhealthy. Uh, and it was certainly the case for us. So here's some of the things that we came across that were signs that we were unhealthy. Number one, we avoided confrontation in, in the name of maintaining uh, the facade of peace Uh, And unity there was always a fear of saying no because if you said no to somebody well Then they just weren't going to have that they would leave so there was always this fear that we had to be a yes culture The other thing was what I call die vision was happening in our church Um, We merged actually with another church years and years ago, but you know what the merger never took root It never happened there was always this loyalty to this group and that group and it was never addressed And It was like a fault line just ready for the next shake The next one was divided loyalties. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, uh, he he rebuked the church because there were people saying, I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos," And that was going on in our congregation at that time. Another indication of of an unhealthy church was nepotism at the expense of inclusivity. When my wife and I first came to this particular church back in 2002, uh, there was a group, some people came to us and they said, how did you guys get in? And we were like, what do you... What do you mean, how do we get in? They said, how did you get in? Because what they had recognized was there was this unspoken boundary line that unless you were uh, friends of a certain group or or someone sponsored you, you were kinda on the outskirts. You could never get in. Uh, And it was really what we call nepotism over inclusivity. It was hard to get involved. Get into leadership, yeah, absolutely. And then the last one was one that we discovered that for us is there was no clear path to membership, no clear path to belonging. It was, if you like this church, hang out for a while. If you don't, move on. But there was never, I I liken it and hope no one gets offended by it, but it was kind of like living together without getting married. There was never the, hey, do you want to get married? It was always like, hey, let's just have a good time. Um, And it was very unhealthy for us. Here's a big one that also indicated we were unhealthy. Tainted oil. And what I mean by that is there were a lot of doctrines that were coming into the church that were never vetted. Uh, people would go to a conference or they'd go and read this book and then they wanted to bring it into the church and they were passing it around. And again, because we were a yes culture, they were never challenged to say, okay, you're going to have to submit to authority. I know you read that book. You saw it on this TV network. You thought it was good, but we don't do that here. It never happened. And so the oil that started at the head in terms of the anointing, by the time it got to the feet, it was a completely different grade. And it was a problem in the church. So just as important as these warning signs, um, And again, I'm going to keep going because I really want to hear from you. I'm just going to go through this. Um, Are some steps we needed to avoid a church split. Um, Avoiding a a church split, first and foremost, takes the grace of God. It takes the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that it really is his church? It really is his church. And um, we've learned that some splits are indeed ordered by the Lord. Exodus chapter 32, we know when Israel was in the wilderness and Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? Let him come with us. And that was like one of the first church splits. God needed to purge Israel of those who are just not going to follow. Um, however, a leader can do their part to avoid a man-made church split. I have a friend, a missionary friend, uh, who did missionary work in Cambodia. matter of fact, if, if COVID ever dies down enough, he's going to go back there. But he tells a story of a village in Cambodia where there was these large snakes that were eating the, the locals' pets. their livestock and they couldn't get rid of this problem until one man came up with an idea keep the grass short cut the grass short the sun will bake the bake these little critters and they will run they will have no place to hide no shade to rest and so they would leave and so the same principle is what applies when it comes to avoiding a church split leaders have to keep the grass short which means you have to create an accountability structure where nobody can just come in uh what i call a uh a fugitive from another church, they made a mess there, and now they're here, and Mr. and Mrs. Wonderful, can I serve in your leadership? No, there's an accountability structure, and there's a way we vet you coming in. And so we call that keeping the grass short, uh, an accountability culture, so that people just can't come in and do what they want to do. So keeping the grass short also involves what I call getting rid of snakes or spirits in your church, and there are seven I want to indicate here. Because they will slither into your church if they're not already there. Just like in the Garden of Eden, Satan slithered into the garden. He began to mess up God's plan. He began to talk to the members of the church, and they began to listen. Satan loves to infiltrate churches with these seven spirits, and I want to share them with you really quick. The first one is what I call an Absalom spirit. Absalom was the third son of King David in line for the throne. His pride and his selfish ambition and impatience fueled the undermining of his father's ministry as he slandered David publicly and stole the loyalty of his army and his subjects. Now this spirit, left unchecked, slanders leaders in private and steals congregant loyalty. It feigns loyalty, yet breeds insurrection. And leaders should confront or rebuke this behavior by using Matthew 18. You should lead with love. And if a person won't repent, I recommend that you encourage them to find another church. Another spirit that was operating in our church, is what I call an Achan spirit. Achan was the son of Carmi. He was the great, great grandson of Judah by way of his fifth son, Zerah. And as you know, if you study the scriptures like I have, he's born out of sexual seduction of Judah by his daughter-in-law, Tamar. And he was referred to as the troubler of Israel, First Chronicles 2 and 7. And he earned this term as his sin led Israel to lose favor with God and causing Joshua and Israel to lose that battle at Ai. You you all know that story. And to suffer loss. Now, the spirit of Achan won't leave a congregation. Even though the person possessing it doesn't agree with the mission or the vision of the house. Rather, it remains and causes trouble for the whole. It won't admit wrong until backed into a corner just like Achan and leaders, so again, I recommend, should confront or rebuke this, this behavior in love. But if they won't change, then I would recommend probably you should find another place to serve. Another spirit snake you want to chase out of your field is what I call an Adonijah spirit. This was interesting. Adonijah was the half brother of Solomon. And after the death of King David, Solomon was selected as, as king. Adonijah full of jealousy and seeking a way to undermine Solomon he he took wanted to seek his take his kingdom by force asked for Abishag and you know the story if you've read it Abishag was a favorite nurse of David in his final days as wife because Solomon recognized the political power play that was going on here with Adonijah and this spirit cannot be reasoned with it will it will acquiesce for a moment feigning respect for the leader only to recoil, regroup, and strike at another time, as Adonijah did. So leaders should confront and rebuke individuals with this spirit. I recommend swiftly, in love, if they see if they will repent. And again, if they won't, you want to ask them to leave or find another ministry. Another spirit you want to cast out or snake you want to drive out of your, your grass is an Ahithophel spirit. This one's interesting. Ahithophel was the advisor to Absalom during his coup against his father, King David. Ahithophel was pleased to serve in his cherished position until his counsel was upstaged by that of a man called Hashai. And Ahithophel, once uh, Absalom did not take his counsel, went home and hung himself that same day. Now, the spirit of Ahithophel borders on manipulation and incessant emotional need for affirmation. You can never tell the person, that's a good idea, but we're going to go a different direction because then they get offended. And then the emotions become, can become really toxic, and it just spreads throughout the whole organization. When affirmation slows or ceases, the individual becomes really emotional, and it can become a drain on a ministry. And a hystrophilic spirit may be redeemed if the leader has the patience to work with that individual. I recommend with somebody else in, in leadership, a counselor or somebody, to kind of work them through, because sometimes a person can be redeemed, and they, can, they just don't recognize that they're operating a certain way, and they'll change. But if not, again, I recommend if they just won't change, then I'd remove them from leadership. Um, and if they won't change, then probably say, this is probably not the best place for you to serve. A familiar name we all know about is the Jezebel spirit. Jezebel was a queen by marriage to King Ahab. And as a Sidonian, she was prone to idolatry and influenced Ahab and Israel into this sin. And operating behind her authority, Ahab took a back seat to her annihilation of the prophets and leading Israel into idol- idolatry. Now, the spirit of Jezebel is interesting because this is, a, this is an authority hating spirit and a manipulator of leaders. I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. This spirit can operate in males and females. So sometimes people say, oh, she's a female. No, it can be a male as well. This spirit is attracted to power. And it's found close to top leaders and always seeks to influence decisions. So you have to be careful who has your ear as a leader. This spirit loves to have the ear of the leader. And this, people with this spirit may not even know it. Even innocent persons can be influenced by a spirit of Jezebel. So wise leaders should be careful not to allow just anybody to come and have their ear. They should always be careful to kind of manage who uniquely has their ear and li- and limit how much information this person has now again a conversation might fix this with the individual but if, if they won't repent again I would recommend they probably find another place to serve the last one we don't hear too much about is what I call well not almost there a lot spirit now this is interesting because Lot was the nephew of Abraham Abraham's deceased brother he was the son of Abraham's deceased brother Haran And Abraham took Lot with him uh, upon his call to leave and find a a land that God was calling him to, a homeland. And Abraham supported Lot with his own resources. Later, strife arose between the two men's herdsmen. We know that. And afterwards, Abraham risked his life and his resources to bail Lot out. He could have been killed, but he, he did that to save his nephew. Now, here's the thing about Lot's spirit. The spirit of Lot does not contribute much to a leader's vision. They don't contribute much to a church. Rather, they feed on a leader's anointing and resources. Uh, I heard this pretty witty sermon by Pastor Cheryl Brady, Potter's House in North Dallas. Uh, North Dallas. She preached a message at a conference called, You Have a Lot to Lose. And she was basically saying, you have to get rid of the lots in your ministry. Matter of fact, Pastor Frank DiMaggio, um, we went to an MFI at Whitby Island in June, And Frank shared the same principle. He was quoting Genesis 13 and 14, and he said this. He says that um, God visits us after our lots leave. Because if you study that passage, Genesis 13 and 14, it wasn't until Lot says, you know what, I think our herds are getting too large. I'm going to go this way. And when they parted ways, then the Lord came and spoke to Abraham and says, now Abraham, look. And I believe that principle is true of ministry. Sometimes God won't let you go forward. Man, we've been talking about this here, even now on the platforms here. Some of the speakers have been talking about the same thing, that you can't move forward sometimes until God gets rid of what I call your lots. Those people who just aren't contributing, but they just want to drain on you. The last one is, of course, we know Judas a Judas spirit, and that can operate in a ministry. Everyone knows that Judas was the disciple that betrayed Jesus, forging a a false covenant with the enemies of our Lord, and he he broke covenant with the Lord by leading the Lord's enemies to their secret location in John 18. Now, the spirit of Judas is not only a a thieving, lying spirit, it's a spying spirit. What do I mean by that? Persons with this spirit are not with you. They're not for you. But they will use information against you. Against your ministry, they might spread gossip or something that if they're on a board, they might hear something that's unique to the board. They might spread it in the community and then you hear it and like, how did that get out there? Sometimes individuals will share that. So again, with all of these, these spirits, or I call them snakes that are operating in your grass, this one you want to go to that person in love and say, hey, listen, this is what I'm hearing. Can we change course with this? But if they won't, as a leader, you're probably going to want to ask them to find another place to serve. Okay, so now I'd like to move to, because I really want to hear your thoughts. I want to move to this last section, which talks about how do you recover and grow from a church split? Because, you know, like this tree, growth can still come, but your ministry is going to look different. If you've ever gone through a split as we have, our ministry looks different. Growth has come, but it doesn't look like the way it used to, and I think that was kind of God's design in our situation. So for us, again, it's been three years um, that we went through the split, and I'm pleased to say again, by the grace of God, we, we made it. It was his hand on us, and we survived. There were those who were actually trying to destroy the ministry. It's one thing for a person to say, I just don't agree and leave, but when you stay or when you try to actually destroy a ministry, um, that's not God's heart. But God actually uh, spared our ministry. The tree, the tree of our ministry was cut off to a stump, kind of like the pictures we've seen. But God has allowed it to grow back in a, in a wonderful way. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says it this way, 1 Corinthians 3 and 6. Paul says, one plants, another waters, and God brings the increase. And although God indeed is the one that resurrected and sustained us and bring is bringing increase, there are some practical things I want to share with you that you can do, or you can relate it to somebody else that you can do to help encourage encourage growth. Again, God has to do it, but there are some things we can do to partner with Him. So here's some things that I want to share that will help you. Um, The first thing is, if you've gone through a split or you know somebody going through, it's important to forgive quickly and forgive often. I can't tell you how many times that uh, I got angry over and over and over again. Um, You forgive one Sunday and you walk into a a hate cloud the next Sunday. One of the most hurtful things that I probably went through in what we went through in our split was people who were looking at me one Sunday with endearment saying, Pastor, we're so grateful you're an anointed man of God. And then I come back to that same person and they're looking at me sideways like, I heard about you. It was a, it was a matter, it was, and I think that's what the Bible talks about, slander, it's like murder. You're killing people's trust and faith. And so I had to learn to forgive quickly and often. I would always say, Lord, I give that person to you. God, I give this person to you. You know what's, what's going on. So that helps you to stay free from bitterness. It helps you stay free from the grace of God that you need for your ministry. Um, I think we're still okay. We started at 2.15. Okay. Another thing that you want to do is guard against spiritual heart attacks. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, Satan attacks the heart, mind, body, soul. I encourage anyone who goes through a split, don't focus on numbers, attendance numbers. That's one of the things that we did. Who's, Who's not here? How small the congregation is. Who's going who's gonna to come this Sunday and say, Pastor, we want to talk with you. We've decided to find another church. Every time that happened for us, it was like a dagger in our hearts. It, someone pushed a knife in more and more. And we got to a point, Lord, who else is going to leave? It was more of a Sunday of who's going who's gonna to be here? Is anybody going to show up? Sometimes you want to self-blame. The enemy will attack you and blame you for what you did, what, what you could have done differently. And so you want to avoid that. Don't take the blame. Wondering if you're in the right place. Another thing you can do to facilitate growth is establish a clear path to membership. How do people connect with you as a leader? One of the mistakes that we made um, was there was a group that did all the baptisms. The lead pastors weren't doing the baptisms. And the people who came in, I call it coming in under the shepherd's rod. I mean, they were becoming endeared to this group that was not endeared to the leadership. And so in essence, they were building their church at the expense of the leaders because the leaders were trusting, saying, okay, you've got this. But what was happening was an uh, Absalom thing there. So I would say establish a membership process or a clear path to belonging. You have to know your tribe. Who's with you? Everybody that comes to our church now, we've established a process. Like here at uh, um, Manor House, uh, called actually we borrowed some of their materials and we tweaked it our own. But we have our own belong process where everybody who comes in, they meet my, my wife and I. They get to know our hearts. We look them in the eye and get to know them by name because we never again want to have that situation where a person doesn't feel connected, but they know that we see them. Um, Frank, Pastor Frank said years ago he, when he came to Alaska, he said, you can't delegate birthing, which means as a leader, if you're going to grow your church, you can't delegate it to somebody else. You've got to be in the throes of that thing and saying, I'm going to help bring these babies to the forefront. I have other people helping me. But I'm going to take the lead in making sure that every person who's getting baptized, every person who's, who's coming into a new members class, at some point I'm going to be engaged so they know that the pastor sees them and loves them and wants to, to, to disciple them. Um, another thing that you want to do to encourage growth is have a routine leader prayer and worship times. This saved us. This saved us. We, we, in the midst of who was leaving and, who, and, and all of the dips in finances and everything we were going through, we would have a consistent time we got together to pray and worship. Um, I thank God for Jessica. She's back there. She remembers. Um, she would lead us in our worship times, and it was the Spirit of God that was not only healing us, but it brought a sense of camaraderie amongst our team that was all in, and we were able to begin to build from that. So that's really important. This was our, our life support. It kept us alive. Prayer and worship. Another thing about prayer is you pray in your tribe. You pray in those gods called you to. Because in our situation here, um, I'll I'll share this and then I'll I'll hurry. Um, When we came to MFI in 2019, that same year, we actually had prophetic ministry, my wife and I. And um, the person that prophesied over us really just kind of read our mail. But one of the things that they said is, uh, this gentleman, I will not tell you who it is because you know who it is. I don't want you to focus on him. I want you to focus on what he said. He says, I see... He says, I see an old lady going to market, and she's pushing an apple cart. And she stumbles, and her apples go everywhere. Her apple cart got upset. And then he looked at us and said, God wants you to know you didn't upset the apple cart. And, of course, at this time, my beloved wife fell apart because she had felt that, God, we had done something wrong, that we did something that this church split. And it was God's way of saying, son, daughter, no, I did this. I broke this pot because I want to do something new. And so now we understand that through prayer, we're praying in the people God's called us to. We're recognizing God wants to do something different. And so we're praying in God, send send the people that you want, and he's doing that. Other things that you can do to encourage new growth have to do with no one to promote or demote a leader. One of the persons that actually um, weaponized social media and did great harm, um, I recognized early, I was the executive pastor at that time, and I recognized this person's... they. This person's ready for the next level, but we move too slow. And actually, I don't think we move too slow. In an, under normal circumstances, this person, we would have said, hey, listen, I think you're ready for another level of ministry. Let's get you to this nev- level. But now that I recognize, looking back, had we done that even still because of the spirit in this person, it just would have given them another vantage point from which to do more harm. They shouldn't have been demoted and uh, promoted. Uh, but under normal circumstances, if a person has a good heart, we should know when to promote them or demote them. If they're causing problems, you should demote them. But if they're being a blessing God's just beginning to expand their giftings and they've outgrown their position, it's time to create a new pathway as a leader for them to serve. Here's another uh, thing that encourages growth. Create leadership pools. How do people come into leadership? Um, and we have three at Kingdom Life. Um, we promote leaders from our prayer groups we have a regular time when our leaders come together on Monday nights we pray we'll be expanding that but from that I look for the people who pray I look for people um, like Gideon's army who's actually drinking with their hands to their mouth who loves prayer who's committed to coming that's where I draw some of my leaders from Um, others from our membership process people who come in and learn what their gifts and talents are and learn what their heart is kind of keep my eye on them for that okay you might be a potential leader And then, of course, life groups, as many of you probably have life groups. We're starting that now, working really hard to get life groups going in a greater capacity, but that's another place where we'll be drawing leaders from. So number seven, confront disloyal people in love. Again, because we had a yes culture, uh, let's keep everything happy on the surface culture, people who were just unruly, who were saying and doing things, weren't confronted, and they continued to do so. But I recommend for any church to recover, you'll have to find, uh, if your grass is short, um, when people come in you want to have that conversation with them early and so I'm, I'm quick to uh, I shared with our some our group earlier that I love you all but I have a really low tolerance for division so if your heart is to bring division then you're probably not going to be here long and then the last thing is a big one that we don't talk a lot about but I would limit couple or family hiring why would that be important? Anybody want to take a shot at that? why would it be for a lead pastor or a decision maker to limit how many couples and families they hire or bring on staff.
1: I would assume the same reason why you wouldn't want to put your budget off a of one-time big giver because if you lose them, you lose the core, you lose the key. But then internally, the, they have uh, they have the ability to really thwart some of your vision. So
0: I guess those students You're exactly right. That's where I was going to go. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So there was a teaming up that was occurring, and it kind of tipped the balance a lot quicker than if we had all been individuals. Wow, you're both right on point. We had a situation where, um, okay, we had a situation where a husband and wife. They had a ministry together. Um, The wife did something that was really crossed the line, and so, and so she was released from ministry. And of course, the husband got upset, and together it just spread like wildfire. Um, so, you can do it, but I would recommend just doing it very sparingly and making sure that the people you have are, are mature. It's really critical. Um, so with that, I want to leave this acronym with you for GROW, no matter where you are, or perhaps if you don't need this presentation, somebody else might, but here's the thing. This is something that Frank shared in 2019 when he was sharing his bout with cancer and when he went to a, a physician. He, he, in his words, he said he was kind of whining, complaining. But the physician told him, gather what you have left and build something great. And that stuck with me, and I thought, that's a good word. No matter what your church has gone through, you gather together what you have left. Who's committed to you? How many resources, what resources do you have? Do you still have vision? Do you still believe God wants you there? Um, are you willing to trust God? Gather what you have and say, now, God, let's build something great. Our resist the temptation to rely on numbers. That's one of the things we had to learn early. We said, Lord, whoever comes, comes. We're going to reach out. We're going to love everybody. We're going to do our social media outreach. We're going to continue to do church. We're going to continue to love people. If people say, Pastor, I, I, I feel I need to go, we, we sometimes we bring them to the platform. We lay hands on them and pray. If it's a healthy launch, we try to model that. God bless you. Lord, bless you for your next assignment. People come in, praise God. But we said, Lord, this is yours. We give this to you. Don't rely on numbers. Only rely on God. If it's his will, it's his bill. If it's God's will for your church to prosper, he's going to do it. He grows the church. And so don't do what we did earlier and carry the burden of this thing. You say, Lord, it's yours because it will crush you. It will crush you if you don't give it to him. And then the last one is, excuse me, is worship, work hard, and witness. Worship, work hard, and witness. Witness. Live your Christian testimony with strength and truth and transparency. Speak life over yourself. Um, another, way, another worry of saying it in the world is, and I hope you understand what I'm saying, but this is, in the world they say never let them see you sweat. Put that smile on and say, Lord, I'm going to come forth with consistent anointing every Sunday. I'm going to preach. I'm going to greet people. I'm going I'm to preach to two like I would for 2,000. I'm going to give you my very best and I'm going to stay focused. So, so with that, I want to thank everybody for listening, and if um, certainly want to leave some space for questions or clarifications, I went through that really quick, but you've been great listening. So any questions or comments or thoughts on um, where you are? I don't know, if you may not want to share where you are, and I certainly understand that, but you might have a question or, or something that resonated with you. Yes.
2: yes. Uh so uh, as a, a pastor when you sit with your leaders and some leaders have left, what's the best message to share with your leaders who are who don't understand what other so people left? Especially for people who never do that. So they, they, they don't explain the finding forever, but they tell us what happened, they just come back and that's a
1: good one. Wow, that's a good one.
0: What's your name? Rabina is asking, so as a pastor, what do you say to your leadership team when they notice people are missing, particularly if they're leaders? They were here, now they're gone. One of the things I would encourage is to be honest with your leaders, your core leaders, That that... This person's not here, especially if you know why they left. If they just left, then you don't know. But we had situations where leaders would tell us they're leaving, and I would have that conversation and say, hey, listen, this person's gone. But here's the thing. You have to manage that because what was happening is there are people who are like, I'm leaving. I want to come before the church and say, everybody, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And I said, no, I had to start limiting that because it was taking our church back to that pain. I said, no, I'm not going to do that to our congregation. And so they got offended and left. I said, well, you'll have to leave offended. But there are certain people who are very influential and key. If we could do a healthy departure, then I would do that. I would, our team would know why they were leaving. And then if they were really influential, I'd bring them before the congregation. And, I, and if they could behave and not do anything inflammatory, then I'd say, well, praise God, this person is leaving. We're going to lay hands on them and launch them into what God has because we wanted a model of good launching, but then there were those who just wanted to disrupt, cause trouble, and I would not let them, they would not come to the platform and they would just leave and then they would cause more in the, talking in the community. So um, you, if they're significant, certainly have the conversation with your inner circle uh, and maybe find a way to the congregation and let them know. I did that a couple times, then I stopped because uh, people wanted their own private going away parties and I said no. Because and another thing is we were getting so many new people, they didn't have a clue what was going on. And so they're like, I don't want to, I'm not going to let them relive this. So I would tell the people, love you. I, in private, we would have meetings with those individuals to say, listen, if we can't work this out, God bless you, we love you, we'll see you in the community. So that's how I would do that. Yeah, good question. Wow, that's, that's, that's a really good one. Other thoughts or comments or questions? How many of you know somebody who's going through this right now? Okay. Okay. How huh, well, about I won't say that cuz I, I don't want you to have to dis- disclose too much. But that's okay. Yes, sir. We as people in
1: a congregation We sat through two two church splits. Wow. Wow. pastors in our church, but honestly, um, having been through it, you know, I sat and looked at you guys, you know, and you just are recently through this. But I'll tell you that if you can make it through this healthy, it causes your roots to go down deep. Yeah. Wow. Because the your foundations to strengthen. Right you have to rely on God. You have to, you have no other choice. Exactly right. You're getting bombarded, the storms hitting you from every which way. Exactly right. And the picture that God gave me is I don't know if you've been to the coast very much, but the coast here has some really cool trees that are beautiful.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: But they've been beat up and they're still growing and they're still fruitful. Yeah. But they know how to weather the storm. Yeah. Yeah. So we've learned how to weather the storm, and how to love people. And I think you did a great job wow. today, uh, in uh, your presentation. And Thank you. that We've actually a couple times, you know, we didn't send people maybe out the best. Okay? Mm-hmm. Other times even though it hurts as the leadership, yes. to send people out, you know, because it's hard to take it personally.
0: Yes. But they've been sent out better. And yes. I'm going to tell you
2: some of those people are back. Uh huh. Maybe yes.
1: 10 years, maybe 15 yes. years. But,
0: but you do see. You're spot empty, on. And sometimes God does bring them back. You just don't know when it's done. You know, to the best of your. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. As the
1: people in your congregation, we're watching how you're treating people. Wow. And how you're loving people. Because people are. People got problems. We all got problems. <laughs> Yeah. And how you handle the people that have problems—it yeah. caused us to be more loyal. Wow! Our pastors handled this well.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I want to say—I don't know if you've ever, any of your leaders have ever said it—but I want to say, on behalf of pastors, thank you, and anyone in the room really, but thank you to people like you who stayed, because that's one of the ways that we were able to make it. We had God sent us people like you. You know, Jessica's here and others who stayed, who who had who are mature enough to say, Pastor, I'm hearing this, but I know that I know that's not you. I know better than that. They they saw through it and they stayed, they say, Lord, we're gonna to continue to tithe, we're gonna to continue to serve. So thank you. I want to say thank you to you because you went through two and you stayed, and that's awesome. And that leader, you're the leaders now, but the leader you're under, I'm sure he or she appreciated it greatly. It's awesome.
2: Well, I would say that, that you're right on, um, and every time somebody leaves, I'm the one who's like, oh my gosh, you know, what happened this time? But God has shown us that the focus has to be on him, and so what we try to encourage people to, to move when God says move, not because your friends or your family left, um, but, but, you know, what is God saying? Um, yeah, and, and so we try to keep that in front of our people. And and that is um, one of the reasons why we, um, um, we don't tell you, but we actually changed our name to Kingdom Life Church. Um, Because we felt that, you know, God had given um, Pastor a new vision and that uh, having that old name just kept reminding us of the trauma of of what we've been through. And every time people said the name, it was almost like we were reliving it it over and over again. Mm -hmm. But once we changed the name and we tried to encourage people to live a kingdom life, uh, and kingdom life should be pointed to who? It should be pointed to the kingdom, king, right? Yeah. To the kingdom of God, and so, um, yeah. so yeah, we've we've tried to um, we've tried to stay focused and, and encourage our, our people to, to uh, God's people to stay focused also.
0: And so, with we're going into year four, and we're so grateful because now the departures have left that stopped. And now you see people coming. And so we know God has said, okay, son, I'm, uh, let me do it. I'm going to bring them. And he's starting to do that. And so we're like, thank you, Jesus. Um, so you, you, there is growth after a split. If, if you keep God before it, he will make something beautiful out of it. And God's still not done with our church. We're still very young. It's like our church has been in existence for, wow, since 2000 it was built. But what we've gone through, we're like a new church plant. It's really like a new church plant. And so, um, anyway, I, yes. One more question, yes. Uh, How do
2: you deal with the familiarity spirit, you know? Because sometimes people stay there longer, Mm -hmm. and they become so familiar with with everything, and they start, you know, um, messing up with the rest of the new members that come, and even the pastors, you know.
0: So how do you deal with the familiar spirit? People who've been there a long time, kind of like, I was just listening to Pastor Joe uh, Champion. I went, before this session started, he, was, he happened to be mentioning pastors being afraid to get rid of this person because this person actually bought the keyboard. <laughs> you know, if you get rid of them, they're gonna take their keyboard, You know, and all this political things in the church. I, what I've learned from what we've gone through, I would have to be direct and talk with that person. If they're a person who's been there a long time and they're messing with other members, um, and we had some of that as well, a person who wanted to go rehash things. I deal. I would deal with them directly and say, hey, listen, we're not going to do that." That's something God's birthed in me, and I have to do it in love. Um, but for now, I have because of what we've been through. Um, it's almost like um, I have a. It's almost like Israel in the wilderness. Uh, we've wandered so long. So when Joshua comes, he's like, "Okay, we're not going to repeat this stuff." So if anybody's going to start murmuring, we're going to get rid of you. And so from my heart, I, I would go to that person in love and say, "Hey, listen. You know, we've been through this, but we're not going there. So you have to make up your mind." and, and, and um, I, was, I was a part of a church and then we we're going to go uh when i was a student in seminary i had a pastor mentor uh who i saw him do this he he had a, a there was a gentleman who came to the church he wasn't old but he was new but he was spreading false doctrine he was going around kind of getting people doubting about jesus he quickly dealt with that guy and says get out you're, you're basically planting weeds in my garden you got to go So that's part of the shepherd's job. You guard the souls of the people. We have to give account. So yeah, in those situations, I don't have any patience now in love, but still they got to go. Okay. Well, I want to thank you all for listening. Hopefully this has been helpful. God bless you. Bless you and your churches. And if you have any other questions, we'll hang out a little bit longer and we can talk to you afterwards. Thank you so much. God bless you.